welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. Psychology Today, where we get all our great psychological quotes from. Psychology Today, they've done some research, they started this research, serious now, that once you get to the age of 40, the average 40-year-old laughs on average four times in a day. Can anyone guess how often a toddler would laugh in a day? More than 20, more than 50, more than 100 times in a day actually. Isn't that interesting that as we get older we seem to not laugh or find that same sense of joy as we get older? What is it? What is it that stops us? from experiencing that joy. The Bible's pretty clear on joy and rejoicing. In fact, in the Old Testament, God referred to rejoicing over 250 times. That's a lot. In the New Testament, over 300 references to joy. That's a lot. When we talk about Christmas... And we discover the nativity, we saw the video, we usually have great productions about this. And we've got to remember the joy that was foretold of Christ coming into the world. The challenge that we have as believers is sometimes we become desensitized to how incredible this thing really was. For God to put skin on and come into the world, the creator to become as creation... There was a great sense of joy. There was rejoicing that took place. I'm going to start just by reading from Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 to 11, and it sets up the scene for when Jesus was young. Thanks, Gary. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying... Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, and by no means least among the rulers of Judea, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, 
They saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. They rejoiced, they rejoiced, they rejoiced. What do you rejoice in today? In your life, what are things that bring you joy and that cause for you to rejoice in? As a father, one of the things that I constantly rejoice in are my children. Any parents, you're picking up what I'm putting down. You rejoice in them, you celebrate them, you thank God for them. It is a gift that continues to keep on giving, though they continue to keep on taking. (laughs) We rejoice, don't we? I remember I rejoiced in the 2018 AFL Grand Final when the West Coast Eagles defeated the Collingwood Collywobble Magpies. I rejoiced. I was filled with so much joy that I was doing and saying some very silly things. <laughs> joy as a Christian, as one, the, the, joy tends to be one of those great health indicators for us. Remember when you first encountered Jesus, how you felt, what you experienced? That joy that came upon you? When there is a lack of joy, it's more likely that anxiety and stress can creep in a little bit. Strain, depression can creep in. And where there is a lack of joy in our lives, it might tell us something about the health condition of our heart. Those things happen. We do feel at times stressed, anxious, depressed. Those things do indeed happen. But it is possible to live in a state of joy in the midst of that. Just like Jesus, yet for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Habakkuk says something really interesting. In Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17 to 18, thanks, Mr. Sold, on the screens, it says, Even though the fig trees have no blossoms, and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails, and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields, and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will Be joyful in the God of my salvation. It's in the midst of that. It's in the midst of the affliction. It's in the midst of the challenge. It's in the midst of the trial that I will rejoice. I will. It's an exercise of the will. It's a choice that we make. For those taking notes, especially the little munchkins at the back, the title of my sermon today is Make the Choice. Make the Choice can even put in brackets to rejoice make the choice to rejoice make the choice my first point today is to choose joy to choose joy so joy is more than as you've heard me talk about before it's more than just a fleeting moment of happiness Joy for a Christian believer is an internal state of delight that we can experience relationally in God. You can still be a Christian and still not live a joy-filled life. There are some Christians walking around that are totally miserable, unfortunately. What are you looking at me like that for with halos sitting above your head? 
Some Christians, you look at them, it looks like they just sucked on some lemons. Oh, God, I love Jesus. But, you know, in him we have salvation. We have eternal life. In him we find our joy. And we have at times got to make the choice. We've got to choose joy. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 and 17, Paul writes to a group of Christians in Thessalonica. He says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Let's see those three things connected together, okay? Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. Rejoice always. Give thanks and pray always. Not just when it's convenient, all the time. This isn't an isolated message from Paul, actually. Let's check out Philippians chapter 4, we'll go from verse 4 through to verse 7. Rejoice in the Lord sometimes. Oops. That's why you've got to bring your Bibles. Make sure I'm not telling you porky pies. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonable reasonableness be known to everyone the Lord is at hand don't be anxious about anything this is not a suggestion don't be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to God and then the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus he mentions those three things again to rejoice always. In fact, he double emphasizes that. Again, I say rejoice. Pray at all times with thanksgiving and then the peace comes. How do we experience the peace? There's the formula right there. The great simple truths of the Bible we can often forget. I say this to new believers and mature believers and myself alike. It's right there. Let's choose joy always and I've got in brackets don't have a pity party anyone prone to pity parties oh not me I'm a Christian hey I have pity parties sometimes I was having a bit of a pity party before I was comparing my shoes to someone at the back there he's got better shoes than me I like my shoes I'm at a pity party someone made fun of my clothes someone said they don't like me, someone said they won't be my friend, someone's gossiping, whatever it is. And what, what can we do? We can wallow in our sorrow and stay there. That's not to discount that at times we're going to feel disappointed, we're going to be let down, we're going to be sad at times, but don't throw yourself a pity party. But it makes me feel better. I'll have a party and you can come if you want and I'll talk to you and you can come. You're invited to my pity party. I'll only invite, you're only allowed if you can wallow with me. That's no one in this room, obviously. The more of a pity party we have, the more we're going to stay in that predicament. Our problems are an invitation for the presence to come, the presence of Jesus to come. And when he comes, so does joy. But we've got to make the decision to choose joy. I will rejoice. 
in Philippians, in earlier, uh, that, that same book. You've got to understand, Paul, when he writes this in chapter 1, he's under arrest for doing the work of God. And in verse 12, I think it is, you won't have this, Wes, it says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. He doesn't blame God. He doesn't blame people for what has happened. He was persecuted for doing what God had called for him to do. And he says, I want you to know that there is a purpose at hand and God has used this. I'm not going to wallow in my sorrow. I'm not going to have a pity party about it. God has used this for good to advance the gospel. In fact, go through, it says down in verse 18, he talks about rejoicing again of chapter 1. What then? Only in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed and in that I rejoice. May we choose joy. Turn to your neighbor and just wag the finger at him and say, choose joy. Choose joy. See, now you're preaching. You're preaching. Yeah. I see a couple of backhanders coming as you're saying that to your spouse. I can see it. (laughs) The right hand of fellowship, yeah. Uh, Fivefold ministry. (laughs) Bang. (laughs) So we choose joy, but importantly... We choose joy in Jesus. Rejoice where? In the Lord. We choose joy in Jesus, not in ourselves. Today's world will tell us to continually look within at ourselves and find how important and valuable you are intrinsically, outside of anyone else. I'm here to tell you that it's in Christ we find our value. It's only because He is in us. We're looking to Him. We call this a healthy Christological perspective. We are looking at Christ. Where is He? What is He doing? Where is Jesus? What is He saying? I choose joy in Jesus. I rejoice in the Lord. Check this out. Um, It says in... Psalm 45, verse 6 to 7, and also Hebrews 1, 8 to 9. You won't have this. It says, Your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. You rule with a scepter of justice. You love justice. You hate evil. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you, talking about Jesus, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than on anyone else. The oil of joy is poured out on who more than anyone else? Jesus. Jesus has all the joy. If you want joy... Get around that guy. Look to that guy. Rest in that guy. Relax in that guy. Look at Jesus, not in you. The more that I look at myself outside of Jesus, outside of that Christological framework, I get miserable. I get miserable. But the more that I look to Jesus, I see peace as a person, hope as a person, love as a person, joy as a person. If you want it, Truly choose joy, choose joy and rejoice in Jesus. Psalm 28, verse 7, The Lord is my strength and shield. I trust Him with all my heart. Who's that verse for this morning? That's for me, baby. He helps me and my heart is filled with joy. 
I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. Psalm 34, 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in Him. Psalm 16 and 11, NLT. You will show me the way of life granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. So you know when we read about in the Bible, time and time again, this, this command to rejoice. It's not an option, it's a command to rejoice, to have joy in the Lord. It's for our benefit. It's for our benefit. Think about those moments where you have that sense of great delight in God. What does it do for you? When you're reflecting him as a person, it's not only just a, a great sentiment or a sense of uh, a deepened faith and security in you, it rubs off onto other people. Have you ever been around a truly joy-filled person? What does it do for you? It just rubs off. It's contagious. It's like a virus. It's incredible. Look at Bob Stevenson, that guy. Oh, hallelujah, brother. Yeah, I can't walk properly. Yeah, I'm getting old, but oh, God's good. I'm getting better every day in Jesus' name. That's a terrible accent. <laughs> it's almost as bad as the Queen's accent. But how do we choose joy in Jesus? Kids, how do we choose to rejoice? How do we make that decision to rejoice in God? Well, here's something we can all do together now. Here's, we're going to practice something together, okay? I want everyone to think about a, a, a part of your life or a sphere of your life and you're feeling really anxious about it. You're feeling, perhaps you're feeling misery. Not joy, but misery. Maybe you're feeling depressed about it. Think that for a moment. Now, have you got something? This is what I want to ask us to do now. We're going to pray and we're going to say, Lord, in just the next few seconds, can you just either show me for the first time or show me again this situation from your perspective? Let's do that. Father, right now we bring this situation to you. Would you help us see this situation from your viewpoint? from your perspective. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, the great revealer and guider into all truth. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We thank you. Okay, right there is a very simple relational discipline that if we don't already do, we can do all the time. Does that necessarily solve your problems? It probably won't solve it, but it does shift some things in your heart once you see a little bit differently, right? It shifts things. There's a song that gets me every time. It's on a kid's movie. Many of you may not know this, but it's from um, Joseph, Prince of Dreams. It's a cartoon movie. Have you seen that one? 
And there's a song on there that, that says, You know better than I. You know the way. How many people have heard that song before? It's a great song. Gets me every time. Someone sent that to me recently. Got me all choked up. I'm like, Stop it, man. Stop it, God. If we could just remember that God's up to something. He's up to something good. Romans 8, 28 says, For those that love God, all things work together for good. For those that are called according to His purposes, all things, not some things, all things work together for good. God is not stressed out the same way that we're stressed out. That doesn't mean that He's absent. No, the opposite. He's very present, but He's got a different perspective. Perhaps that's just a reminder for some of us this morning that Jesus is not frantically worried calling committee meetings with all of the angelic realm. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? They complained about his shoes. Jesus is so cool, calm and collected. He is at rest and he knows what's going on. And if we want any encouragement from someone that's going to be praying for us, it's Jesus who's seated at the right hand of the Father making intercession for the saints right now. Let's rest in that reality. And let's rest in Jesus, the person of Jesus. As we rest in Him, we rest in His presence. If you're struggling to taste of joy, ask Jesus for it. Not just a quick hit of I want to be happy after I eat that chocolate cake because we all know that Two minutes on the lips is two months on the hips. We want to experience a disposition of relational joy as we reflect on the person of Jesus. That at times when we have those challenging moments, we can quickly avert back to, oh, I'll flick that joy switch back on. I'm reminded I've got that revelation again of who Jesus is and of his presence with me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you're with me, Lord. I want to be a joyful person constantly. Because joyful people, you look at this, they always look beyond the pain and they see the bigger picture. Joyful people always look beyond the momentary and they see a little bit further down the track. They can see it from God's perspective. Now, our fallen humanity and our fragility, our frailty, wants for us to stay there and even to sit in this, this chair of despair because I, I, I'm getting comfort in my own pain and, and, and I want to stay here and I don't want to go anywhere else. And we stay here for years experience it. It's going to happen, but don't stay there. Ask God for His grace and watch what He can do. There is never a painful moment. There is never a trial that is wasted in the kingdom of God. Is that a word for you this morning? So we choose joy in Jesus no matter what. No matter what. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice.
It's not sometimes. It's not whenever I feel like it. The command is for us to rejoice always, 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 always. We can rejoice always as we remember the incarnation of Christ coming into the world. Eugene Peterson in the, in the message version says that he moved into the neighborhood to dwell among us. Check that in John chapter 1. I love how he paraphrases that. Jesus moved into the neighborhood. We can rejoice and experience this joy because we have him not just coming at a certain point in human history, but he's with us forever by his spirit. Check this out in James chapter 1. Someone messaged um, this to me recently, and it was an amen and an ouch. You read the Bible and it's like an amen and an ouch together? (laughs) Yeah, that's why I don't read it. Or maybe it's, that's why I do read it. Count it all joy, brothers. I like that bit. Count it all joy. Yeah, let's just put a full stop there. Count it all joy. And what's he talking about there? Let's read on. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness... Now, your version may not be steadfastness. It might be patience. It might be perseverance. It might be endurance. Let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So count it all joy, brothers, when, whenever you meet trials of various kinds. So how many people in this room, you're fighting a battle right now? Put your hand up if you're fighting a battle right now. There's a trial of a various kind. There should be all hands raised. We're all facing a battle of some level or another, whether it be little or small. There is something going on. Well, we're compelled to count it all as joy. Consider it joy. Why? What's the bigger picture here? What's the God perspective? Because, we're told, you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, patience, perseverance, steadfastness. But you've got to let it have its full effect. Why? So that we can be complete, lacking nothing. In other words, so that we can become more like Jesus. That's why. If God's ultimate design for our lives is not just heaven, but Christ-likeness, that means we've got some sharp edges that have got to be knocked off sometimes. How do those sharp edges get knocked off sometimes? Well, we're going to... We're going to be moved around and battle around a little bit. And that's going to be hard. And that's really difficult. And it is. Don't get me wrong. Jesus went through some pretty hard times. But it's possible to, for the joy set before us, endure. So we take a step back and we think, God, what are you doing here? What are you up to? Lord, show me again and show me that you're with me. And as that happens, oh, my eyes, I see what's going on here. You're up to something, Lord. You're trying to make me like Jesus. And your spirit is at work in me to lead me and grace me 
to achieve that. This is what Charles Spurgeon said. He says, people who are very happy, especially those who are very happy in the Lord, he's talking about this reference to this Philippians chapter 4 passage. Those people who are very happy, especially those who are happy in the Lord, are not apt either to give offence or to take offence. Their minds are so sweetly occupied with higher things that they are not easily distracted by the little troubles which naturally arise among such imperfect creatures as we are. Joy in the Lord is the cure for all discord. I love that quote. Philippians 3 verse 1, that same book, the letter of joy. Paul writes, whatever happens, dear brothers and sisters, may the Lord give you joy. I never get tired of telling you this. I'm doing this for your own good. May the Lord give you joy. That says that we cannot conjure up joy in and of ourselves by our own strength or means. I want his joy. I want some Jesus joy in my life. I don't know about you. Galatians 5 tells us that joy is a fruit of the Spirit. So as I'm planted in Jesus, the Spirit produces a fruit of joy. I can't, I can't work that out. That's effort. That's works-based. I want the Spirit of God to produce the joy in my life so that I can taste of it and others can too. So as we finish up, I know we've got five left. We probably won't even need all of that because I know some people can smell the sausages and the barbecue and the, the chocolates. We rejoice in God, but I want you to know something. Do you know that God rejoices over you? Did you know that? Just like as a father, I rejoice over my children. I know what that's like. God rejoices over us. In Isaiah 62 verse 5, it says, For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your sons marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. Your God rejoices over you. Final verse, Zephaniah 3.17, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness he will quiet you by his love he will exult over you with loud singing think about that word picture it says he'll rejoice over you with gladness he's not looking at you and complaining about you he's not grumbling about you he knows about your sin he knows about your addiction and in Christ there is no condemnation at all and as he sees you through the filter of the cross and the perfect work of Christ on that cross, he can't help but sing over you. He loves you. He loves you. As he loves the Son, so he loves you. So what right do I have to hold do I have to hold my shortcomings before God and say, I I I, I don't deserve that love. I don't need that love. I don't warrant that love. It's it's there's too much in me. I don't like myself. I'm ashamed of myself. God the Father says, Would you just back up, man? I love you. As I love my son Jesus, I love you. With gladness, it says. 
He rejoices over us. He will quiet us by His love. He will exult over us with loud singing. I love that God sings over us with joy. The reminder this morning for us is to rejoice in God, yes and amen. But first understand this, don't underestimate that He is rejoicing over you. You are incredibly invaluable to Him. Let His joy penetrate deep within your soul. Let that reality and that revelation transform you and then reflect that joy that He has given. Can we pray together? Father, we thank You for the goodness that we have in Jesus. This is all about You, Jesus. This is not about us having to work anything up. This is a choice that we make, a decision to rest in you and in the revelation of who you are in us. Lord, we ask that as a church community, you would help us to be joyful Jesus people, that we would live with the joy of Jesus, not just today, but every day. And this Christmas, as we talk to our neighbours our family, in otherwise a very hectic season. Lord, help us to emit a fragrance of joy as we rejoice in you. And all of God's people said, Amen. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.